0: Well, I am very thankful to be together once again here today in our ninth week of our series To the Ends of the Earth, where we're going through the entire book of Acts. Uh, So thanks again for joining us. Um, Two things though, I want to highlight before we move forward. The first is this. um, Arguably, the most important people in our church are our kids. Would you say that? I, I think that's true. You know, they're the future of North Haven. And, um, and so we need to find ways that we can tangibly and purposely uh, pour into these kids. And so this is something I want you to prayerfully consider. We've been asking you this over the last couple of weeks, but... We need the volunteers to step up and to step in to our volunteer um, or our kids' ministry specifically on Sunday mornings. So if that's something that interests you, it's not a huge commitment. It'd be like maybe once a month, but it would give you an opportunity to be a part of the future of this church in ways that I think are tremendously rewarding. My wife and I, we teach kids uh, kindergarten through second grade on Wednesday nights here at North Haven, and I got to tell you, I'm certainly getting crowned or crowned jewels in my crown uh, through that experience, but it is a blast, and I actually go home every night just rejuvenated by being able to share Jesus with these kids, so please consider doing that. If that's something that interests you, is there a card in the, in the worship folder? This, there is? Oh, yeah, so you can fill out that card. Excuse me. You can fill out that card, leave it on your pew, or put it in the box at the back. Or you can talk to Pastor Aaron or myself or Pastor Don. If you're joining a virtually, you can indicate that on in the comments or click on that prayer button and let us know that way as well. And then um, the second thing, I just want to kind of put a shot across the bow and keep you informed. On April 17th, that's Easter Sunday. And that Sunday, we've just decided that we're going to be holding baptisms in both of our services that Sunday morning. And so, if that's something that interests you, if you have not yet been baptized, as a public declaration of what Jesus has already done in your life, uh, then I want you to seriously consider being a part of that, of that experience. You can talk to me, Pastor Don, Pastor Aaron, and we'll get you, uh, get you the information that you need. And what makes this even cooler is Eternal Life Church, the monk church that meets here um, on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday nights. They're going to be joining us for our Good Friday service, and they're also going to be holding baptisms of their own during their service that afternoon on April 17th. So I can't wait to see what God is going to do um, during that weekend. It's going to be fantastic. All right, well... On we go. We're going through this book, Acts, and uh, we are in the fourth chapter. Uh, now, um, you can go ahead, if you have your Bibles, you can, you can use those or the Bibles in front of you. Um, it's gonna, All the verses will be on the screen, as they always are. Um, but we're in chapter 4. We're going to be in a moment here looking at verse 32 and beyond. We're actually finishing the chapter today. Um, But this last Sunday, we discovered that the followers of Jesus, uh, the early followers of Jesus that we see in Acts, when faced with persecution, instead of praying for safety and protection for themselves, they prayed instead for what? Boldness. That's right. They They prayed for even more boldness in the face of that persecution. And we talked about this. They did... Almost the exact opposite, I think, of what many people in the church would be prone to do here today. And that should cause us to pause. I I know it it has for me, and I hope that it has for you uh, to purposely reflect on yourself and as a church to ask what are we most concerned about? Are we most concerned about our safety, about our comfortableness? Or are we more concerned about making the gospel, of the resurrected Jesus, known throughout the world? Furthermore, we saw in Acts chapter 4 that because the early followers of Jesus asked for more boldness in the midst of the persecution, they were empowered then by the Holy Spirit once again, And this increase in their boldness and commitment to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus, I think I mentioned this last week, and it's safe to say, that it greatly increased their persecution. And that wasn't something, right, we talked about this last week, that wasn't something they were oblivious to, that didn't come as a surprise. It wasn't as if, you know, a year or two, three years later, they were like, what the heck? I thought when we asked for more boldness that things were going to get better. They knew. They knew that the boldness would result in more difficulty. But today we need to take stock of what resulted from all of this. And that's what we see in the remaining verses in chapter 4. Yes, the early church's boldness increased. Yes, so did their persecution. But that boldness and that persecution that resulted in an increase in love and commitment to one another and then ultimately many, many coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So let's pick up where we, where we left off, uh, starting in verse 32 of um, Acts chapter 4. Starting with verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. That there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them, and they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet." That's what we're looking at here today. So in this incredible passage, it's evident in this description of the early church that what mattered most to them, far exceeding anything else, was that others knew Jesus as Savior just as they did. Hands down, the most important thing that was of utmost concern to the early church. They understood that only the resurrected Jesus could save. And that that salvation meant eternal life. And see, what's, what's awesome about this is that this knowledge changed everything for them. Everything. They were forever a changed people. They were committed to loving God and loving others. And then this is what happens. This is what happens when a a saved people commit to genuinely following Jesus Christ. When a saved people commit to genuinely follow Jesus, they find that their priorities radically change. And that the changing of those priorities has incredible results. It says um, in these verses that the early followers of Jesus had a common heart and a common mind. If you look again at Acts 4.32, all the believers were in one were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had, a common heart and a common mind. What does that look like? How is that even possible? How does a community of Jesus followers know then that they've even achieved a common heart and a common mind? Well, a helpful thing to note is that the phrasing that's used here in Acts chapter 4 is actually also used in other places, but notably in 1 Chronicles. Now, this passage in 1 Chronicles that we're going to look at uh, describes men who volunteered to fight in service of David, making him king of Israel. Check out this passage, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 38. All these were fighting men who volunteered, volunteered to serve in the ranks they came to Hebron, fully determined to make David king over Israel. And all the rest of the Israelites, check this out, were also of one mind to make David king. These men were of one mind in devotion to their king. That is how their hearts and the minds intersected. That's how their hearts and mind came to a convergence was in devotion to their king. Similarly, the early church, and we're seeing this transpire here in these first four chapters of Acts, the early church was united in heart and mind because they were united in their devotion to the king, Jesus. The resurrected Jesus was the one thing, Not a thing, the one thing that caused them to be united. It was Jesus or bust. And everything was placed under that banner, and I mean everything. This passage in Acts 4 reveals that the early followers of Jesus, they understood that their possessions, their things, their resources were not to be under the control of any one person. Instead, those things, those possessions, those resources, whatever they were, they belonged to God and to God alone. And because it all belonged to God... They were then distributed, these possessions, these resources, they were distributed as God saw fit and for the benefit of the community of believers. See, this here, right here, this is the act. This is the act of having things and then holding them with an open hand. This is the act of living a life anticipating future opportunities to give. How often have you begun your day asking God to give you opportunities to give of yourself? How many times have you asked God to inconvenience you to make his will known despite yours? This wasn't new to the early church. This wasn't like some uh, revolutionary idea that they came up with. Now, this is actually right in step with the greatest commandment that Jesus gave during his ministry. You remember that? Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what's so extremely cool about all this is that amazing things, and when I mean amazing things, I mean like incredible, never before seen things happened once the church pursued being one in heart and mind. When it focused on Soul devotion to the resurrected king. In verse 33 of Acts chapter 4, we read this earlier, but it says, With great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Okay, here we have a a convergence of two powers at play. Two powers, one, grace-fueled unity and spirit-fueled testimony. Grace-fueled unity and spirit-fueled testimony. See, as a result of the unity established by the grace of Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowered the testimony of the early followers of Jesus. Now remember, this, this commitment to testify to, the resurrected, or to testify of the resurrected Jesus was a stark rebuke of what the Jewish officials told them not to do. Remember that? They arrested Peter and John, they threw them in jail, and then they basically said, do not, do not, under any circumstances, like a parrot talking to a four-year-old, talk about this resurrected Jesus nonsense. And Peter and John said, okay, and went back to their followers. What did they do? They immediately prayed. They prayed, and they asked God for more boldness, more boldness in the face of persecution. Thus the Holy Spirit enabled the work of God through the grace given to them by Jesus Christ to powerfully lead many to salvation. And as a result, the gospel of the resurrected Jesus had reached the ears and the hearts of many people, many people who were eternally changed. There's a progression here. There's a progression here that every church should take note of. And certainly us here at North Haven. The first is this. The followers of Jesus became united in the heart and mind How? By devoting themselves solely to Jesus as king. Under the banner of Jesus as king, yes, with differences, but with an unquestionable allegiance to the king. Second, the unity of the Early church enabled them to see their possessions not as their own that they would hold with closed fists, but rather as God's in which they would hold with open hands. Third, because of their unity. And because of them seeing these things, these resources, these possessions as being God's, not theirs, they were then fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel of Jesus boldly. And lastly, because of all these things, many responded favorably, thus becoming eternally saved. Grace-fueled unity produces Spirit-fueled testimony. It started with uniting under the banner of Jesus, and it ended with many receiving salvation. Look at how Acts 4 concludes. Verse 34, There were no needy persons among them, and from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, and someone we'll talk about later in Acts, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, I want to make something clear here. There's, There's a big difference between a body of government or an organization that forces others to distribute possessions or resources as they see fit. There's a difference between that and then that of a people who commit to holding possessions and resources and things with open hands, all for the purpose of God. You see, with open hands, those resources, those things, those possessions, you know, they are yours, right? God has entrusted you with the responsibility of said things. But when you hold those things with an open hand, God then can come at any moment and pluck them and give them to whom he sees fit. When fathers of Jesus commit to keep possessions in open hands, they recognize that God entrusts them with those resources. We're given the responsibility But as Acts 4 reveals to us, those things don't belong to us. Think about this. What would the church today look like if it lived like the early church? I'm sure you've wondered that. Not just and even in the midst of this series. Maybe you've thought about that in the past. But then how would the world respond? It's one thing to ask what if the church today was like the church then? But it's another thing altogether to ask, well, how would then the world respond if that were true? You see, the message of the gospel, it at once attracts and it repels. It attracts because it is the message of salvation. It is the message of grace through Jesus by faith it repels because it reminds people of their sin and of their need for a savior remember 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 15 through 16 it says for we are to God <clears throat> that is the followers of Jesus the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing To the one, we are an aroma that brings death, and to the other, an aroma that brings life. But how shameful is it? How shameful would it be if the church repelled people, repelled the world, well before it has the option of responding to Jesus himself? why would the church get out ahead of jesus christ and to repel the world from the beauty of the salvation of the risen savior if we want jesus to be seen by the world as the beautiful savior he is then we need to get busy on selflessly lifting one another up we need to hold those possessions, those resources with open hands. We need to anticipate opportunities to make Jesus known. We need to be united under the banner of Jesus, looking out for the welfare of one another, fueled by the Holy Spirit, and thus seeing many experience salvation through Jesus alone. Would you stand as we share in this creed as we close our service today? Read with me. We are the church. We have received power from the Holy Spirit. We are Jesus' witness to the world. We will give the love of Jesus to each other, to our community, and to the ends of the earth because we are the church. Be reminded, benevolence, as you leave, Pastor Don will be at the back. Thank you for coming today. Please, those of you in this room, drive safe. Thank you to those of you joining us virtually. We'll see you next week. God bless.